Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. We've got a very special day today. It is a rare moment when somebody who worked undercover for the FBI for seven years um, is able to speak freely and publicly about what he did. But we have one of those heroes with us here today, Doug Campbell, William Douglas Campbell is his actual name, who worked for the CIA and the FBI for nearly three decades in various undercover capacities, is joining us. And he is going to tell the story that's in my book, in Seamus Bruner's book, the book Fallout, uh, of how under seven years of undercover inside Vladimir Putin's Russian nuclear monopoly called Rosatom, how he uncovered kickbacks, bribery, extortion, how he uncovered political corruption, how he uncovered Joe Biden's energy advisor working to advise the Russian nuclear industry on how to uh, get a leg up in the American uranium market, put the American uranium business out of business so that American electricity uh, customers and American utilities would be dependent on cheaper nuclear fuel from Moscow for years to come. He's going to explain all of that. Doug Campbell, the real live Uranium One undercover informant, He's going to be joining us in just a little bit. We're also going to talk about a couple of stories that broke today that I think you should know about. It won't take long. We'll get through that really quickly, go through some top headlines and why they're important. And then the moment we've been waiting for, the opportunity to talk to Doug Campbell, the FBI informant, the man at the middle of the Russia nuclear scandal that affected both Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, and Barack Obama. Uh, don't miss this. This is going to be a big interview today. I hope you enjoy it. We'll be back right after this commercial break. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. All right, folks, we're back from the commercial break. I'm so glad you joined us today because we've got that special guest, Doug Campbell, the undercover FBI informant operative who helped the um, FBI prove that the Russian nuclear monopoly, Rosatom, was engaged on U.S. soil and criminality at the same time it was getting approval to buy the Uranium One assets, Uranium Ore, underneath the U.S. soil. Uh, at the same time, it was getting billions of dollars of nuclear fuel contracts uh, for American utilities from the Obama administration. At the same time, the Obama-Biden-Clinton team helped the Russians um, get a uh, build their own um, Silicon Valley called uh, Skolkovo in Russia, uh, a place that now U.S. intelligence says was used for 
uh, uh, Russian counterintelligence purposes to economic espionage and military espionage against the United States. This was all done during the failed uh, Russian reboot that the Obama-Biden-Clinton team executed in 2009 and 2014, all the way through. Uh, lots of giveaways, lots of valuable things for Vladimir Putin. And then when it was all done, Putin pulled the rug out from underneath the Obama administration and, yep, you got it, invaded Ukraine, which then led to the Ukraine scandal. It's all in our book, but today you're going to hear from the central figure in our book, the man who was undercover for the FBI for seven years. What a harrowing story he has to tell. What an important story about um, our country's future, about our past and what we got wrong that we haven't come to grips with. It's going to be a great interview. But before we get to that, I'd like to uh, highlight a couple stories that have broken over the last couple uh, of days that I think are important. Uh, first up, and I, I think this is an important one, um, Judicial Watch, who, which uh, through Tom Fitness fought many very important uh, FOIA battles, Freedom of Information Act battles, they were able to secure the release of new documents over the weekend. And I think these documents are very important because they're Pete Strzok's own emails and, and the days leading up to and in the first day of the Trump presidency, January 2017. And what we uh, learned is that Trump was only president for 24 hours when Strzok, the supervisor of the Crossfire Hurricane investigation, sent an angry email to his boss. And the reason he Strzok was upset was that one of his colleagues, Jennifer Boone, had uh, done a White House counterintelligence briefing for the brand new White House, Trump and his team. And he ha uh, she hadn't consulted uh, Strzok because Strzok wanted to use the meeting to spy on the Trump presidency to further the Russia collusion investigation to take that bond of trust that a briefer, an intelligence or counterintelligence briefer has and use it uh, to find dirt on uh, the president. And keep in mind, at this point, on January 21st, 2017, when Peter Strzok writes this email to Bill Priestap, the assistant director for counterintelligence at the time, the FBI knows that the Mike Flynn investigation has come to a dead end, that the agent who worked it for five months has concluded that there was no uh, counterintelligence or criminal reason to continue, and he recommended shutting down that investigation. Jim Comey, Andy McKay, Pete Strzok overruled that decision. That's one thing that they knew. They also had, by that time, interviewed the primary subsource of Christopher Steele, who told them the main evidence attributed to him, to the primary subsource, in the dossier was exaggerated, not true. He didn't say some of it. Some of it was a joke. Some of it was just flat-out inaccuracy. In other words, the FBI knew they had a major, major problem with the credibility of uh, Christopher Steele's dossier, and yet they did nothing about it. Uh, so... The entire Russia case is falling apart at this point. They, they don't really have grounds to continue the FISA warrant, though they did for two more times. They, uh, they don't have grounds to investigate Flynn. And as you can tell from the famous emails, even months later, they still had no big there there, Pete Strzok wrote. In other words, they never had any evidence of collusion that they could prove. Uh, it was a dead end from the beginning. But it's in that environment when there really is no reason to be looking at the president and his aides when Pete Strzok sends this email. And let me just read you the email. It's so, it just, it's a contemporaneous captured and frozen in time email that I think speaks volumes about what was wrong with the FBI investigation. Uh, quote, I heard from blank, it's redacted the name, about the White House uh, counterintelligence briefing routed from blank, the name's redacted. Uh, 
Um, this is uh, struck writing this on January 21st, 2017. Trump has been in office less than 24 hours. Quote, I am angry that Jen, that's Jennifer Boone, uh, a colleague FBI agent, did not at least CC me as my branch has pending investigative matters there. This brief may play into our investigative strategy, and I would like the ability to have visibility and provide thoughts and counsel to you in advance of the briefing. This is one of the reasons why I raise the issue of Lane's responsibilities that I did when you were asked her, when you asked her to handle White House detaily interaction. Wow, what an email. You can actually read this email by clicking, going on Just the News and clicking on it. It's a chilling email. It is a very strong, powerful uh, example of how much the FBI was willing to do to try to find anything it could on Trump, even when there was no basis or justification for it. Now, I took this email, I took these revelations, and I went to longtime um, intelligence experts and said, is this appropriate? Should we be using the sacred trust that a president and his aides have with their intelligence briefers and turn it into a weapon to find dirt in an investigation, to find dirt that can be leaked? Uh, was this an appropriate thing, and does it violate the trust? And so first, first person I talked to uh, has a lot of bona fides is Fred Flights. He's the former National Security Council's chief of staff. He worked for John Bolton. And he said, quote, it's unbelievable this kind of stuff was going on. How is the president to do his job with this going on? He has to be able to ask difficult questions. You want him and his aides to ask hypotheticals during the briefings as they get up to speed. But if those questions are going to be leaked back to investigators, the president is not going to talk to the experts. That's going to leave us blind. That is Fred Flights. That's a, um, a John Bolton guy defending the president saying, this is hideous that Pete Strzok was thinking of using a counterintelligence briefing to spy, investigate, get dirt on the uh, President Trump and his team. Now, I went to an FBI guy. I figured, oh, maybe the FBI has a different perspective. Kevin Brock, the longtime assistant director for intelligence of the FBI. He worked for Bob Mueller, so no fan of Donald Trump, Bob Mueller. And he said the same thing. He was deeply troubled by the Strzok emails and, and what Strzok was trying to do here. Quote, this is from Kevin Brock, former FBI assistant director for intelligence. It appears that Strzok was going to leverage a normal FBI counterintelligence briefing for a new presidential administration to insert crossfire hurricane investigative efforts, specifically in hopes of getting into the White House to interview uh, General Flynn. That's Michael Flynn, the national security advisor. When Strzok, this is more a quote from, um, uh, from Kevin Brock, when Strzok found out those briefings were already conducted without his knowledge, he got upset since the counterintelligence briefings apparently were no longer available as a subterfuge. Think of that word. This is subterfuge the FBI is engaging in with our own president. Soon thereafter, Deputy Director McCabe reached out to Flynn directly to set up an interview appointment. Director Comey admitted later they took advantage of the disorganization of the new administration to avoid the protocols that would normally be in place to control access to senior White House personnel like Flynn. Even an FBI man, a lifelong FBI man, rebukes, rejects what Pete Strzok, Jim Comey, Andy McCabe, Bill Priestap were doing here. They shouldn't be violating the trust of a uh, classified intelligence briefing designed to make sure the president's up to speed on the biggest dangers and concerns and worries in the world. Uh, that's the consensus of some of these intelligence experts I talked to were shocked to get this email that Judicial Watch unsurfaced uh, or surfaced in the um, in its FOIA litigation. So really important story. I hope you get a chance to go to um, uh, justthenews.com and read this article. I think it brings a lot of value to the table, uh, and it really raises a question just how far 
Was the FBI willing to go in the absence of any evidence? Just how far was it willing to go to get uh, dirt on Donald Trump or manufacture dirt on Donald Trump? Very important. Now, the second thing is there's a new excerpt out in my, on the book that Seamus Bruner and I wrote. Uh, Seamus joined us last week. Fantastic co-author, fantastic investigative reporter. So blessed. So blessed that he joined me in this writing of this book. I couldn't have thought of a better person. But the excerpt today is out on Breitbart. And it's something I just want to mention because I think it's one of the more interesting stories, subplots in the book, which is a lot of people don't realize that when the Russians were really trying to compromise a political figure during the 29, uh, 2009 to 2019 timeframe, their original target was, no, not Donald Trump. Nope, not Mike Flynn. Hillary Clinton. How do we know that? Well, the FBI was kind enough to declassify its counterintelligence files on what are known as the Anna Chapman spy ring. This was the uh, model, I think spy turned model we all know now, Anna Chapman, who was here with 10 other illegal spies, Russian illegals, and their job was to embed inside the Obama administration and get close to him. And one of those, um, one of those uh, 10 uh, spies were getting closer and closer to uh, Hillary Clinton. In fact, they had gotten in the employment. They were posing as an accountant, an American accountant, when they were really a Russian spy inside one of Hillary Clinton's biggest uh, donors in the history of the Clinton uh, world. They'd gotten a job there, and their, their goal of that spy, it was a woman, was to get take, to jump from the donor to get inside the State Department, get closer to the FBI, excuse me, to get closer to the Secretary of State, Hillary Clinton, in 2009, 2010. And at that time, at that moment, when that occurred, the FBI rolled up that uh, ring and they arrested all 10 illegals. But then we gave them right back to Russia. We traded them for four non-American spies or uh, assets that the Russians had. And uh, this was as Breitbart puts it, a failure by Joe Biden and Obama and Clinton. They, they basically swept this under the rug by getting these illegals out of here quickly, not telling the whole story. But the FBI was deeply concerned that Mrs. Clinton was about to be compromised. She was the abject, the target, the focus of a major spy ring of Russians back in 2010. And how did they try to get to her? The way that it seems like many people didn't. The Chinese influencers during the 1990s Asia fundraising scandal, they went through donors and money because it was the perception of Russia that was the Clinton's vulnerability, that political money, personal money, whether it's Bill Clinton's $500,000 speech check or the millions that went to the Clinton Foundation, there was a perception among the Russian spies that uh, the way to Hillary Clinton's influence was to get through uh, her donor network. So check that out on um, Breitbart. It is uh, from our new book, uh, fallout, nuclear bribes, Russian spies, and the Washington lies that enriched the Clinton and Biden dynasties. We hope you enjoy reading that. Uh, all right, we're going to go to commercial break, and when we come back, Doug Campbell, the undercover FBI informant, his first time ever on a podcast. You're not going to want to miss this. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount 
of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook a, a vegetable dinners, and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning, and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly, I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down. And my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick House Nutrition and, of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, we have a very special guest today, a man you may not have heard of, but whose service to this country is extraordinary, William Douglas Campbell. Most people knew him as a uh, businessman from Florida, but he also was one of the most important operatives working for the CIA and the FBI over 30 years. And he's a central figure in our new book, Fallout, Nuclear Bribes, Russian Spies and the Washington Lies that enriched the Clinton and Biden dynasties. And the reason that Mr. Campbell was a central figure is for seven years, he spent uh, his life undercover, uh, working for the FBI, getting intelligence inside Vladimir Putin's nuclear empire called Rosatom. And during that time, he uncovered lots of wrongdoing, including criminality, corruption, kickbacks, bribery, all occurring on US soil by Russians under the Obama-Biden-Clinton team. And he helped bring a major prosecution, and he helped alert the U.S. government to many national security concerns. Uh, Doug Campbell, welcome to the show. It's so such an honor to have you on. Well, thank you, Mr. Solomon, and, and thank you for those kind words. I, I'd like to begin by explaining that uh, prior to the FBI operations, I was conducting CIA operations in Russia the Ukraine, and the breakaway Republic of Kazakhstan. And during that time, I developed close, trusted relationships with different parts of the Russian leadership and members of their private sector. Right. While I was undercover working intelligence operations related to organized Russian criminal elements, I was offered a contract with Rosatom Kinex, which is the nuclear side of the Russian government, and it provided me with indirect access to President Putin and Medvedev, as well as the Russian nuclear arsenal leadership. Because I was working alternate intelligence operations at that time, and the Russians believed me to be nothing more than an influential American businessman, FBI overseas counterintelligence indicated that the Department of Justice wanted me to accept the Russian proposal. This would allow the Bureau and the Department of Justice and other U.S. intelligence agencies to acquire information valuable to our national security. 
from the Russian participants while monitoring the movement of the extorted funds that they had proposed through a complex system of money laundering networks that were suspected of managing funds for terror cells, as well as corrupt government officials. I accepted the Russian proposal by directive of uh, our government and accordingly signed their contracts, and I've interacted with Rosatom and other Russian elements for several years, in particular with government officials controlling their arsenal and the supply of uh, their nuclear materials uh, from the Russian Federation to the United States. I carried highly sophisticated sound devices, uh, set up meetings that could be filmed and monitored uh, while either wire transferring to organized crime banking elements overseas and or being DOJ photographed and filmed handling large amounts of cash to Russian officials to be laundered back to Moscow. At different times, I received Russian declarations about the importance of the relationship as well as veiled threats and innuendos of potential harm from their leadership, which was damn serious. They um, it was. inferred they had, they, oh, they inferred they had killed uh, Alexander Litvinenko utilizing uh, uh, polonium-210, which they uh, – uh, they distributed, and uh, they had carried to London by Russian agents and placed in his food. So it was some damn serious work, and it kept my attention <laughs> quite every day. Uh, over several years, I coordinated and participated um, in meetings, both overseas and here in the United States, that yielded extensive and detailed information valuable to our national security a part of which was posted in the president's daily brief twice that I'm aware of. Um, the agents celebrated, as a matter of fact. In addition to conducting contract business with Russia, I was directed to create and attend social gatherings and parties for specific individuals stationed at the Russian embassy and visiting Rus Russian delegations. Additionally, FBI intelligence requested I provide specific information and divine, define clearly the layout of Russian offices in the Washington, D.C. area so that the uh, FBI counterintelligence could create what were called war rooms, which were utilized for FBI monitoring stations as FBI monitoring stations in close proximity with Russian operations. Additionally, um, my duties included um, formulating interaction with multiple overseas interests, such as East German officials, uh, when I would travel to Berlin that worked with Putin when he was head of KGB in Berlin, East Germany and also current SBR and FSB agents, which I was interacting with on a regular basis, both here in the United States and, uh, and other places. So that is kind of a broad stroke of, of where I was and what I was doing. Um, my deepest concern at that time was watching the U.S. government make a series of decisions benefiting Rosatom and 10X 
while those entities were engaged in serious criminal contact conduct here in the United States of America. I mean, they they were extorting, they were money laundering, and they were violating uh, the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act while the United States government was allowing them to go ahead and sign large United States energy contracts for delivery of Russian uranium into the United States to large utility entities. Uh, and this was all part of a strategy that was formulated years prior uh, by President uh, Putin, Medvedev, and uh, uh, Sergei Kirinenko, who was head of Rosatom at that time. Their strategy was to basically create an interdependence of America on U.S. Uh, uh, imported Russian uranium goods. Russia had, had successfully created a dependence of, uh, uh, on gas by Europe. And when they executed that strategy successfully and created a dependence in Europe so that Russia could essentially turn on the gas or turn off the gas, they decided to try to execute the same strategy here in the United States, which they right. in fact successfully did. Well, one of the one of the I'm leading sure. parts of our book is that one of the things we need to learn is that Vladimir Putin's Russia uses energy as a geopolitical weapon, and you, in real time, were providing this to the FBI. People are listening and they're saying, "Oh my God, this sounds like an episode of the Americans on the television show, or a made-for-TV movie, or Tom Clancy novel." The truth of the matter is, it may sound like all that, but what Doug did was very real. What Mr. Campbell did undercover for uh, the FBI was a daily kind of uh, compilation of what the Russians were doing to execute this strategy. And I I always know in, in counterintelligence operations that they tend, the FBI agents like to give their operative uh, a code name. And, and we, we have a whole chapter about you that talks about this, but I loved your code name because I think it gives a little sense of who you are as a person and why you would have the courage to do the work that you did. Can you tell our listeners, uh, what was your code name for the FBI? My code name was Pastor uh, for uh, a number of reasons. Uh, the, the, the most important reason to me in my heart was because I prayed with the agents. I have grown up in an environment where uh, I was attending church regularly and I said right. my prayers every night with a great-grandmother and a great-mother and a great family. And um, so the agents felt because I would pray before a lot of the meetings uh, with them that uh, pastor would be a good name. Also, it was a name that was assigned to me so that the analysts that were handling these troves of information uh, would not know specifically who I was. So you're a man of faith, a devout Christian, and I'm sure that faith comes in handy when you're uh, spying on Russians who have no uh, compunction not to kill someone they don't like. Uh, there are some amazing things that happen in the book, and I just want to walk people through because uh, for a lot of people who haven't followed the Russia Rosatom uh, scandal, uh, this will be new to them. But uh, Rosatom is a nuclear arm. It's a state controlled uh, nuclear empire, Vladimir Putin. And then it has a series of subsidiaries. One of them is called Tenex, and that's the arm of Rosatom that tries to sell 
Russian nuclear materials to commercial clients like American utilities. Tenon was a new thing they created when the Obama administration started giving them uh, contracts in America and, and making the Russian nuclear company richer and, and more uh, ingratiated into the American economy. And they created an American subsidiary called Tenon. And then there was another uh, uh, entity called RMZ, which went out and bought uranium around the world. And that's the company that um, bought the Uranium One assets that were the focus of Peter Schweitzer's great book, Clinton Cash, that 20% of America's uranium ore under our ground, plus Kazakhstan uranium owned by Uranium One was sold to the uh, Russians under, with the approval of the Obama administration in 2010. And that's a point of, of great controversy. I want to just ask um, you uh, uh, some questions. Uh, they The Russians wanted the American utility contracts, which were in the billions of dollars, so they would have a, a guaranteed market, make America dependent. And they wanted the uranium under our ground because if they could dump cheaper uranium, then Americans wouldn't have their own uranium industry, right? They'd go out of business because everyone would be dependent on Russian uranium. Is that the gist of what the uh, Russian strategy was, Doug? It, it was the heart of their strategy. Um, they Russians don't uh, Russians do nothing without a very firm, sound strategy, and that was precisely what it was. Right. Well, uh, what's I, I've been blessed to be able to go through a lot of the FBI files that that uh, detail your work, and it's really harrowing. I remember some days as Seamus and I were preparing to write the book, or when I did my original stories in the fall of 2017 with Sarah Carter. I mean, some of these documents are extraordinary because in real time, the FBI knows unequivocally that what Vladimir Putin is doing with these nuclear contracts is trying to build a nuclear monopoly that would make uh, America dependent on Russian nuclear energy, and therefore he'd have it as a geopolitical weapon over the United States. So our government knows it. And then even as they know it, you see the Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton administration playing into that. They're going to give them the billions of contracts. They're going to give them the um, uh, uranium underground. They're going to create a place called Skokovo where we're going to transfer some of our most sensitive technology to help the Russians. What were you thinking when you're watching the Obama administration do all these things when you know the administration, the FBI, the top of the government, knew that Russia's intentions were bad, they were engaged in criminality, they were bad people that were getting all these benefits? What were you thinking in your mind? It troubled me greatly. I It was frustrating. I uh, challenged the agents about uh, the uh, the uh, way the administration was handling everything. Uh, and the agents looked at me. Uh, and these are good down-home agents that are hands-on agents uh, with families. And they looked at me and were as frustrated as I was. And their words to me were, ask your politics, Mr. Campbell. So in other words, what was going on wasn't a national security decision. It was a political decision by the Obama administration. That's how you took it, correct? No question. No question about it. The Russians bragged about the influence. They bragged about the Clinton influence. They bragged about the weakness of this country. They bragged about the weakness of our president and referred to him uh, twice with racial epithets, which were very troubling to me. I have to yeah. listen to it and endure it, although I was undercover. 
Yeah, nobody wants to hear the American president mocked, no matter what party is, no matter what your politics are. No one likes to hear a foreign adversary uh, do that. Uh, talk about that dinner. I believe it was a dinner at Morton Steakhouse up in Maryland. Um, it's right after the Uranium One deal went through, right after a couple of the early multi-billion dollar uranium fuel contracts to American utilities got through the Obama administration. You've got a bunch of Russians in from Moscow. You have to drop a suitcase full of cash off, right? It's like $50,000 of cash, correct? Yes, sir. They, uh, instead of making wire transfers through uh, Seychelles, through uh, Latvia, through Cyprus, into banks with corrupt bankers that would then turn it into cash and allow them to carry it to the Kremlin. On this particular occasion, they wanted me to provide 50000 in cash directly to them uh, at their offices there in, um, uh, uh, in Bethesda and uh, also on one occasion at the Ritz-Carlton in Pentagon City. This cash was to be used and divided amongst the Russian leadership uh, for shopping at Saks or for carrying it back in tranches less than ten thousand dollars to uh, to, is, uh, um, uh, to Russia. Yeah, it's old-fashioned graft, right? They just want one of their consultants because you're you know you're working for them as a consultant while you're also working for the FBI. The FBI knows what you're doing, but this is old-fashioned graft. They just wanted walk-around money when they were all in town to to have a good time, and it's coming out of your wallet with the FBI's knowledge. In the book, we tell this harrowing story. When you go deliver the uh, briefcase of cash, the FBI helps you set up the briefcase, and then they put a little camera in there so they can film the bad guys, Vadim Mikorin, the head of Tenem 10X, uh, the main Russian in America. Um, uh, what was it like knowing you were going to walk into the room, and if they discovered that FBI camera, you could have been in a world of trouble, right? You could have been in danger. Yes, they were. they were serious people to deal with. And um, they had uh, operatives here in the United States that um, uh, were not to be taken lightly, let alone the uh, individuals that I encountered when I was working undercover overseas uh, in various countries and regions. So, yes, I had to be very careful in interacting and in dealing with them and uh, it troubled me greatly that they were conducting these kind of of operations, breaking U.S. law, and at the same time signing United States contracts, energy contracts for billions of dollars. That's the amazing thing. And when your story first came out, uh, there was a, despite your heroism, despite your public service, despite the fact that the FBI thought your work was so valuable that the, at the end of your tenure, they took the extraordinary action of giving you a $50,000 bonus check, which, by the way, they almost never do. I mean, that's an incredible expression of the gratitude that the Bureau had for your work. Uh, there were people at the time in 2017 when Sarah Carter and I first uh, broke your story and then you went on hand who said, you know what, uh, there's no evidence, no evidence that the we, meaning the Obama administration, knew about this stuff when we approved it. We were in the dark. There was no reason that we knew uh, that um, to block these transactions. We now have found out in our book that that was plain old fashioned a lie because we found a document that shows in August 2010, two months before Uranium One is approved, several months before a lot of the bigger, larger Uranium fuel contracts are signed by the Obama administration for the utilities, 
that there were uh, a, a, a briefing across the top echelons of the government, Nuclear Regulatory Commission, Energy Department, State Department, all the intel agencies, and most likely the president, based on what you were told. And they were told, hey, this company you're dealing with, Rosatom and its 10X10M arm, are engaged in criminality on U.S. soil. So for all those people who attacked you in 2017, the truth is now out there. We have a declassified document. And um, it, it shows that not only were you informing the FBI, but the FBI informed everyone in the government who were making these decisions uh, what you had found. And, and that's now fact. It's no longer in doubt. What was it like when you heard Democrats and Clinton supporters and other people attacking you when you knew the truth? You knew that the FBI had told the president, had told the government. Was it frustrating? It was It was very discouraging. I, 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 I it, it hurt because of everything that I, I was aware of because of the fact that my FBI handlers had commended me multiple times for my work. Uh, they told me on various occasions uh, uh, from the undercover probe uh, that it had been briefed directly to FBI Robert Mueller, FBI right. director Robert sure. Mueller. And on two occasions, those agents were particularly excited, claiming to me that my undercover work had been briefed directly to President Obama as part of his daily presidential brief. Wow. So you knew the truth and you, you took your licks anyways and you stood by it. I think the great part about it is the documents we uncover in the book Fallout that we've gotten from FOIA and other things. They, they not only validate uh, your story, they completely confirm every single fact that you told at the time. Now, I want to go through, there's one other attack that I need. Let's do, deal with that. And then I want to go back and help people understand all the different things that you saw the Russians doing, all the visibility that the Obama administration had, because it wasn't just uh, bribery and corruption. A lot of things we're going to get to. But first, there was another falsehood told about you. And it was told by the Justice Department to Congress. And then it was used by the Democrats as a weapon. And that is, there was nothing in the FBI files of your work that uh, indicated that while you were working at Rosatom, that one, the 10M people had anything to do with Uranium One, and two, that you ever raised any concerns of corruption about the Clintons and Uranium One. We now know that the Clintons were getting millions of dollars of donations uh, committed to their uh, foundation, and Bill Clinton got a $500,000 speech fee, all from people that had an interest or affiliation with the nuclear industry or specifically the Uranium One deal. But the, the claim was in 2017 when you went public with us and then went on Hannity that, well, Doug Campbell didn't see any of that. And we, we're going to call bunk on that because uh, Seamus and I have gone through all the FBI files on this case and it is irrefutable. So let me walk you through a couple of moments. In, in uh, September, October, there's you and another American by the name of Rod Fisk. Actually, I think he was South African, but in America. Um, you get a request from the head of Tenem, Vadim Mikram, the guy that's ultimately indicted for all this corruption and they ask you to help on Uranium One. Can you describe the fact that you, as the FBI informant, the operative, you were actually asked to assist the Russians in trying to get the Uranium One deal? And the FBI knew that in real time. I was, and it was very clear to the agents. I reported it in my briefs to the agents, and it was a clear, very clearly understood liability that was that was happening in front of all of us, and yet the leadership was was doing nothing we were hearing and i 
from from the Russians uh, when they were drinking large amounts of alcohol. They were bragging about the Clintons and the Clinton influence. Uh, I reported this to the bureau agents that uh, made a special trip from Little Rock, Arkansas, to visit me and 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 uh, talk to me about uh, about those circumstances. It was very very clear, but the the Clintons, Eric Holder. Robert Mueller, for me, out there on the prairie by myself, my God, that was the home team. I believed in them until I saw Scipius pass uh, the um, Uranium One situation. It it right. it just it it just knocked my socks off that they could that they could that 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 this could even happen, possibly happen with all of the impropriety, the breaking of U.S. law. There was so much that that contradicted uh, uh, the, the, the policies that the United States government allowed to uh, be established and the, uh, the large contracts, billions of contracts, it, it, just, it just discouraged me greatly. And I asked myself, what in the hell is going on and I challenged the agents, and again, they wrote it off to political influence. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. Um, so you not only had briefings with the FBI, you had emails with the tasking order saying, Doug Campbell, go help Arm Z, the arm that's getting the Uranium One, as a member, as a consultant to Tenem and Rossatom, go see if you can help them get this through and uh, defeat the opposition, because there were some Republicans at the time, long before the Clinton angle came out, that were concerned about this just purely on national security grounds. They couldn't understand why Obama would give away uranium business and uranium ore under our soil to the Russians. So you have emails, you have briefings. Now, you also uh, gave the FBI, according to the files we've seen, um, presentations and communications uh, where a major donor, in-kind donor to the uh, Clinton Foundation, a public relations firm in Washington that was helping the Russians at the same time, and they, uh, you, you brief that to your FBI handlers too. That hey, there's this Washington public relations firm, big donor to the Clinton Foundation. People inside the Russian company are bragging that this is their juice with the Clintons. Uh, you told that to the FBI in real time too, right? I, I explained it clearly to the FBI. the The fact that the same head of the Russian energy company. Alex, uh, Alexei Grigoriev uh, signed my papers that uh, and my contracts also signed the contracts for the uh, public relations firm that was uh, channeling uh, uh, funds uh, 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 to the Clintons or uh, I just uh, I, I just couldn't believe it but the the Russians came to me and they assured me not to worry that they wanted to continue with the extortion, with the money laundering, with the uh, violation of the uh, Foreign Corrupt Practices Act uh, without being detected because things had gone so smoothly and that hiring this other uh, firm would put them over the top as far as the uh, Clintons were concerned. Right. So another false attack in the media on you, the news media, Michael Isikoff, I think was one of the writers, uh, the Justice Department 
uh, Rod Rosenstein, who, by the way, was the U.S. attorney that worked your case before it became deputy attorney general and the Democrats in the House. All of them attacked you. And that information we show in the book, because we have the FBI files, we have your briefing memos, we have the documents you gave the agents. Uh, all of those allegations against you are demonstrably false. When you look back now and you realize you had members of Congress that could have gotten the same evidence we got, but didn't. You had Rod Rosenstein, who could have quickly looked in the file and confirmed, well, Doug did tell us these things. Um, how frustrating it is to see your own government, the government you served as an undercover agent, undercover operative, I'm sorry. Um, how frustrating is it to know that even people who had access to the information chose to give a false story back in 2017? My paperwork was signed by Rod Rosenstein and Andrew Weissman. Yeah. Uh, it, it all of this was happening while uh, uh, they had overseen. They were fully aware of the extortion of the of the contracts, which I even question now the validity of because the contracts are being signed. These large billion dollar U.S. energy contracts right. uh, with delivery from Russia were being signed at the same time that that they these. The same people that were signing these contracts were breaking United States law. How could right. that happen? How could it happen? And and it troubled me greatly. And I, I really believe in my heart that each man, each one of these men, from the president all the way down to uh, to Robert Mueller to Eric Holder to Weissman, to Rosenstein, these men turned their back on our country because they believed that, they genuinely believed that Secretary Clinton would be elected. Wow, that's a very powerful statement. So uh, you're undercover, there's not any doubt by the end, by the, in the file and in your testimony and everything, everyone we've talked to, by 2010, they knew that the Russians were involved in substantial criminal activity, and they wait four years until after the Russian reboot has failed to bring anyone to justice. They don't start prosecuting people until 2014, but you remain undercover. They've already got the, the bribery kickback extortion case nailed by this fall of 2010 because you've got the recordings, the pictures of the suitcase. So you start to do other things. And one of the really harrowing things that we learned from the files in your, inform, you know, your undercover file is that um, you saw evidence and provided evidence to the FBI that the Russians were helping the Iran and Tehran with their illicit nuclear program at the same time that Barack Obama was marching toward making a deal with Iran. So Obama wants to lift the sanctions and uh, restore some normalcy to the ties of Iran uh, if they will stop agree to stop making a nuclear weapon. And while that's going on, you're, you're providing the FBI evidence that there's complicity of the Russians helping the nuclear uh, capabilities of Iran, particularly a um, uh, one facility in Bashir where you had very specific intelligence. I think you actually got the identity of the company that was moving the items, the uranium, to, uh, to the Iranians. What was that like and how interested was the FBI? The FBI seemed to be very concerned that Russia and Iran, at least in these files, had uh, an illicit relationship going on beneath the sanctions. Did the FBI seem to engage on that and be concerned about it? They were highly, highly concerned about it, and um, it, uh, it, the information that I provided, uh, the documentation that I provided from the International Atomic Energy 
agency, uh, which the Russians always had way ahead of the United States. The Russians were plugged into IAEA incredibly well. IAEA would tip them off as far as improprieties, things like that, and there were con- right. they would confer with, with Moscow and limit the uh, amount of exposure as far as the lack of cooperation that Iran was giving uh, as far as the development of their nuclear facilities. Uh, uh, it, 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 it contradicted everything that was going on. And, uh, as my undercover work continued, uh, the FBI became increasingly more interested in Russia's nuclear assistance to Iran. Um, they had, the Russians specifically had told me years prior, never to mention how close Russia is to Iran how much they supply Iran, how much technology they provide to Iran, how many services they provide to Iran. The Russians were very, very strict with me about making any statements about the connection between Moscow and Tehran. Well, of course, I was reporting it all at the, at the same time, unbeknownst to Moscow. But they were very concerned, the Russians were, about this being exposed because they felt it would limit their ability to infiltrate the United States energy market. And that inability uh, uh, would be prompted by their uh, exposure uh, regarding their, uh, their close uh, relationship with Tehran. Wow. Um, when they when they ultimately bring criminal cases against Vadim Mikram, the top Russian in America who was involved in the kickbacks, extortion, bribery, money laundering, um, uh, it's divulged. But you knew in 20, 2008 and nine already that one of the American trucking companies responsible for shipping uranium. So this is a very sensitive job, right? If any uranium escapes the American trucking supply line, we could have an international crisis that the Russians had compromised that company by uh, getting into a kickback bribery scheme with them. So that um, the these are some of the many things that the FBI came to understand were wrong with the Russians. They were doing lots of things. This was a very corrupt behavior that was going on in U.S. soil at the same time that the Obama administration is rewarding all of these folks. At some point in 2012, uh, the FBI comes to you and they want to lure Vladimir Putin to... America. And just talk a little bit, if you got a minute here, we got about five minutes left in the show. Um, how, what the what the idea was, the Kentucky Colonel idea for um, for Vladimir Putin? Well, yes. I, I, uh, uh, Mr. Solomon, if you don't mind, before we leave the Iranian situation. Sure. The, the situation was so tense that um, the uh, FBI counterintelligence agents came to me and uh, asked me uh, to submit a series of questions to the Russian leadership. Uh, I formulated those questions. They're a matter of record. And uh, I resisted at first because the questions were the kind of questions that... um, Too obvious, right? uh, It made it very obvious. Uh, that I was uh, that I was a red flag, and right. uh, it also it also pretty much signed my death warrant. Uh, they 
the Russians immediately backed away, terminated. I started getting threats. And uh, it was a foolish move on the United States uh, government's part. But the the point I want to make is they knew about all of the Russian impropriety with Iran. They knew about all of the Iranian impropriety, and they knew about the deception coming out of Iran regarding its development uh, of nuclear materials. Yet the administration went on and and shipped <laughs> plane loads of cash to these people who are enemies of our state, who uh, who who lie, who who uh, I, I've witnessed and reported a lot of deception from Iran and Obama, the Obama administration ignored it. Yeah, that's really the underlying uh, jaw-dropping uh, conclusion that we came to in our in our book as well. Um, and also one other thing, we had a potential broken aerial, arrow scenario, right? With if, if that nuclear company in uh, the United States that was compromised by the Russians, if any of that uranium escaped, we would have had a real national security disaster, right? That was that was the concern about the trucking company, correctly, that once corrupted, anything could happen with the uranium. Were, these men were shipping high grade. They were shipping material, radioactive materials, a single teacup. Of, they were breaking U.S. law. They were yeah. shipping radioactive materials, a single teacup of which could shut down Wall Street or Washington. Wow. And it, 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 I, I, all of this was reported. All of this yeah. is a matter of record with the United States government. There's no doubt about it, folks. If you don't believe this, you can go to the back 100 pages of the book Fallout and every sentence of every chapter about uh, Doug Campbell and his work has a, a document that you can actually go see and look at. Uh, everything Doug Campbell is saying is documented inside the FBI files that we got access to. All right, we've got a couple minutes left. And so the Clinton era is gone. The Obama era is gone. But there's one leftover from that era that's now running for president, Joe Biden. And we write in the book, thanks to your good work, we learned about this, uh, that he had an energy advisor when the Russia reboot failed, one of the biggest foreign policy failures of the last 50 years. And it failed because after Putin got everything he wanted out of the Obama administration, he invaded Crimea, the region in Ukraine, and that kind of put us in a new Cold War posture. So Putin pulls the rug out from under Barack Obama, Joe Biden, and Hillary Clinton. And now there's a new guy that shows up on the scene. Joe Biden's in Ukraine trying to prop up Ukraine. He's trying to get a natural gas system built for Ukraine so they're not reliant on Russians. His son cashes in on that system by getting a job Hunter Biden does at, at Burisma. But there's an energy advisor uh, to Joe Biden by the name of Amos Hochstein. He starts giving speeches and you know testimony before Congress, appearances on television, saying we can't let Vladimir Putin have an energy monopoly because he uses energy as a geopolitical weapon. That's what, and that's a very sage message. That's what you were telling the FBI in 08 and 09. He's out there in 14, 15, 16, making this very compelling case. And I think most Democrats and Republicans would agree with him, except for one thing. All of us hearing that at the time didn't know one thing about Amos Hochstein. He had been working for the Russians, for Rosatom, for Tenem 10X, helping them get that hopeful monopoly on uranium as a consultant in America back in 06, 07, 08, 09. Talk about what you learned about Amos Hochstein, who may very well be at the side of uh, of Biden if he's elected president. What did you find out? Well, Hochstein and I began work in 2006, 2007. I worked with him for several years. And a clear-cut 
characteristic of Mr. Hochstein was knowing how to feed the Russians. We were trying to achieve Russian entry into the United States market. Hochstein, in his own words, knew and and strongly emphasized his ability to feed the Russians, uh, feed in quotation marks. I was, uh, I was quite taken back by that. And later the fact that he became a deputy to, and was paid by Hillary Clinton in the state department. It, uh, it troubled me, troubled me greatly to see him, uh, um, after I parted ways with, uh, with, uh, Mr. Hochstein and moved on to uh, further undercover work with uh, Russian directly. Hochstein then moved into a place where he uh, he was able to promote and help uh, the uh, completion of Uranium One and the CFIUS decisions, I have no doubt. Well, what's really interesting, uh, we uh, as a result of the research we did on this book, we actually have the very contract that Amos Hochstein signed when he worked with Cassidy Associates. That's a Washington firm. We have the presentation he developed for the Russians saying, here's how you can get a leg up in the American market. And all of that is now sitting out in plain view for people to research if they'd like it and go to Just the News. They can go to Fallout and look at these documents. But um, so many of these characters at the time they were saying these things in 15 and 16, we didn't know what had gone on previously. All the efforts the Russians had made to enlist Obama, Biden, Clinton people, in some cases pay them, in some cases reward them with gifts uh, while this Russian reboot was going on. So it wasn't only a foreign policy failure. It was a cash boon for many of the people around Clinton, Obama and Biden who were involved in the policy. So, Doug, I could talk to you all day. Your story is unbelievable. It's you are a major character in our new book that Seamus and I wrote called Fallout. Um, On behalf of the American people, on behalf of John Solomon reports and the audience I have here, thank you for your public service. And I hope we can bring you back soon to the show and uh, talk more about this. We could literally talk for hours about all the amazing things that you did to um, uh, help our country uh, uncover this terrible injustice. So uh, thanks again, and we'll be back with you soon. Well, thank you. I love this country, and I, uh, I'm thankful for the time that I was I was growing up, and uh, I, I appreciate your taking time for me. All right. Well, we're, we're grateful for the time you gave us today as well, Doug. All right, folks, we are going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up things. If your head is still spinning from all the amazing things that Mr. Campbell just told you, uh, don't worry. We're going to make sense of it. It was, uh, this is real stuff. This sounds like a spy novel, but this was real stuff that happened. And we're thankful that there are men and women like Doug Campbell in the world that are willing to risk their lives and serve their country to expose the sort of things that he exposed in his work undercover for the FBI. So we're lucky, lucky as a nation to have people like Doug Campbell. All right, off to the commercial break. We'll come back and wrap things up in a second. Folks, if you get your wallet stolen or your cell phone or your car, we know what it is. It's old-fashioned theft. It's crime. We know it. Criminals now have a new way to steal our most valuable asset, our homes. 
Older Americans are most vulnerable to these types of thefts, and that's because they more often own their homes outright. An 88-year-old Florida woman recently discovered that scammers forged her signature, created a fake deed to her home, and then took her property. Those who buy a property from a deed theft scammer often become victims as well. What can you do to protect yourself? It's simple. My good friends at Home Title Lock provide the premier detection technology to protect your home and its title. The instant they detect an activity or something suspicious, they mobilize to help shut it down. We won't know a thief took us off our title until it's too late. That's why Title Lock jumps into action right away. The titles to all our homes are easily found online. A criminal or renter, even a family member, can simply forge your signature on a home sale form. Then he or she refiles as the new owner and bam, your home is not in your name and all of a sudden debts are being taken out against it. That's why Home Title Lock is my choice. Find out for free when you use my code JUSTNEWS at signup. You'll get a free comprehensive scan of your home's title and 30 days of legendary home title lock protection free. So go to hometitlelock.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS at hometitlelock.com. Go there today. Oh my gosh, where did the time go? Man, this podcast flew by and that's what happens when you're talking to an interesting guy like Doug Campbell, somebody who risked his life to make America more secure, to expose what Russian nuclear, corrupt Russian nuclear interests were doing and the Americans they were intersecting with and the national security issues those raised. Doug Campbell, as we write in the book, is an American hero uh, and he is emblematic of a, a large number of people whose names you never hear in the world. They're never in the media. They don't seek glory. And yet they've uh, helped make America safer by doing undercover operative work for the FBI, the CIA, the DIA. We owe an enormous debt of gratitude to such people like Doug Campbell. In our book, in the opening page, in the book Fallout, we write in the dedication, this book is dedicated to the real whistleblowers, the men and women who risk their careers, their reputations, and their liberties, and their lives to speak the truth. Doug Campbell, I think after you've heard him today, he certainly fits that description. All right, we're going to be back Thursday with another great show. We've got lots of great guests coming on. I've heard a rumor that we might have a former congressman or two, so stay tuned for that. Could have some uh, big news coming out of that. In the meantime, go to justthenews.com anytime you want to get a fix on the latest breaking news and all of our exclusive material. We'll have some new stories coming out on Anthony Fauci, on COVID-19. You're going to want to stay on top of what's breaking on Just the News. And also, uh, as I'm often asked, uh, how can we make Just the News more successful? How can we, well, certainly spread the word, spread the URL, let them know about my podcast, Just John Solomon Reports. You can also support all the great advertisers you've heard on this show today. We're so blessed to have advertisers and sponsors that put their money where their mouth is, jump into the uh, fray here and support this show. And you can also go to jtnshop.com. That's just the new store, jtnshop.com. We have all sorts of wonderful gifts, earbuds, a, a cell phone sterilizer, and really delicious crab legs and uh Lobster tails. I know I ate them. I got to admit, all right, shouldn't, but I did. I loved it. Uh, JTNshop.com, all sorts of great uh, uh, items that you can buy. And a, part of the proceeds when you make a purchase goes to support the future journalism of Just the News, John Solomon Reports, Cheryl Atkinson, the podcast, um, The Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody, a really great podcast. I hope you listen to that. So that's a way you can support us and also have fun doing it. Get some nice gifts, get some nice food. 
and feel like you're doing something to make America better. All right, we'll be back Thursday. Until then, you've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Be safe, be healthy, God bless you. We'll be talking to you soon. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now.